Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the active skin repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the show. I'm Deanna Yates, and you are listening to episode 178 of the Wannabe Clutter-Free Podcast. On today's episode, we're continuing our three-part series on clearing digital clutter. On part one in episode 172, I covered clearing out your email. As I know, that can be such a headache. It is the virtual equivalent of your mailbox, but so much more stuff can get jammed in there and it can get overwhelming faster than you can say unsubscribe. Then in part two on episode 175, I talked about decluttering and organizing your digital photos. That was such a big undertaking for us in our home and it was super stressful that I even created a course that walks you through how we did it in our home so that you can do it too. So if you haven't listened to those two episodes after today's show, head on over to those so you can get your whole digital life under control. I'll have links in the show notes to make it easier to find them too. But enough of that, let's get to today's topic of decluttering your files. Now, of course, I will be talking more about your digital files today, but I can't have a discussion about our digital stuff without addressing our physical paper as well, So we're going to touch on that too. Of course, I did do an episode on decluttering your paper, so I will link that in the show notes as well. By the end of this episode, though, you will have a complete strategy on how to declutter your papers and files, organize everything so that you can find what you need when you need it, and maintain the system going forward. Of course, we're talking digital files here. You can also go to the show notes on my website for more information. Those can be found at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 178. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 178. But before I get ahead of myself, I just want to say a big thank you for joining me today. I know your life is full and I am honored that you are taking some time to join me for this episode. 
On this show, I do my best to give you real-life examples and tactical strategies that you can take with you into your everyday life. I want these next 30 to 45 minutes to be beneficial for you. And now that we are in November, the rest of the year is going to fly by. But if you take action based on this three-part series, by the beginning of next year, you will be ahead of the game and feel more ready to reach your goals for 2024. I can hardly wait to see what you have in store. But I do have one quick favor to ask of you. I need your help getting the word out about this show. I want this next year to be the year I help more families than ever. I know what it's like to feel like your home and life are out of control, never feeling like you can get ahead, take a breath, or get a moment to enjoy all of your hard work and effort. I also know how freeing it can be to get routines and habits into place, clear out the stuff that you don't need or even want, to make room for the truly special in your life, and finally breathe a sigh of relief. I want that for you and all the women in your life. So if you know someone who could use help with their digital clutter, or any clutter in general, really, can you please do me a favor and share this show with them? I am sure they'll be grateful you did. Overcoming clutter is one of the biggest things women tell me all the time that they want to do. And this show helps them do that. And I've been told it's really helpful. So help your friends and family out and share this show with them. I really appreciate it. And now let's get to today's topic because decluttering and organizing your digital files, well, it's a big one. So first things first, let's talk about the importance of going paperless. Now it's important to start here because if you are adopting a new habit or a way of doing things, you need to understand why it's better than your current system. That way when things get tough and sadly, anytime you start something new, there will be an initial period of a bumpy road you can remember why you decided to try this in the first place. A recent survey showed that paper clutter was the biggest issue in most homes. Of the 1,000 people surveyed, 35% said paper was their biggest issue. The next category was clothing in their wardrobe, and it was only in 16%. So paper really did dominate the survey. And not only is it going to be good for your home, it's going to be good for your mental well-being to get your paper and digital files in order, of course, but it's also good for the environment. So going paperless is going to help save trees. It's going to reduce the need for paper. It will help reduce your carbon footprint. The paper industry is one of the largest industrial producers, and by going paperless or using less paper, you can contribute to reducing the industry's greenhouse gas emissions. Now, of course, it's always great when the big polluters can be the ones that are driving the change, but we can also make an impact from the bottom up. The third thing it's going to do is minimize waste. So when we stop using so much paper, we're going to be able to reduce how much paper we are getting rid of. It's going to have less paper in the landfills. It's going to positively impact the environment and your local area as well. So those are just some of the environmental benefits. I don't think we have a really hard time understanding that when we use less resources, it's going to be good for the environment. The other reason why it's good, though, is it has a really big sense of convenience and accessibility for you. Digital records offer unparalleled convenience for you. You have everything you need at your fingertips. It gives you access anywhere, anytime. So all you need is an internet connection. And nowadays we all have smartphones and we travel with laptops and iPads and we're never far away from something that is connected to the internet so we can get what we need anytime we need it. I was helping out at my daughter's musical rehearsal yesterday and I'm actually the PTA treasurer as well. And the musical director was asking me how much money was left in the budget because 
we needed to figure something out. Well, she didn't ask me before I left my home, but easily enough, I pulled up the reports right on my phone, was able to tell her exactly how much money we have left in the budget. And that was just really easy. I didn't have to remember. I didn't have to put it on my to-do list to look it up when I got home and email her. And I mean, that saved myself 15 minutes right there, plus the mental energy of having to remember to do it. So it's so nice to have access anywhere, anytime. Also, when you have digital files, it increases searchability, right? You have the ability to look for what you need. It's so much easier to be able to type into that little search icon what you're looking for and have the computer do the work for you instead of having to rifle through all of your physical papers. And then the last thing is going to be security and disaster recovery. If there was an unfortunate incident and we lost our physical records, the good news is there's generally, with digital files, a backup somewhere. Now, that could be a hard drive backup. That could be a cloud backup. That could be within the companies themselves. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But it just allows you to have access to these things if the physical one is destroyed. But I just wanted to talk about why it is important to go paperless, because there are benefits aside from just the mental well-being that you will get from this. All right, so we're going to take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about why people are hesitant to go paperless so we can help overcome that if that's you, and then we're going to get into digitizing our records and how we can do that. All right, we'll be right back. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, welcome back. So, I want to jump into why people are hesitant, because if going paperless is so beneficial, what keeps people from doing it? Well, there's going to be a few reasons. The first one is privacy concerns. Now, I know we just talked about data security and how if something happened with your physical papers, it would be nice to have that backup. And actually having your records in digital form generally means that they are password protected, they're encrypted, and they are stored securely. 
So it does actually reduce the risk of physical document theft or unauthorized access. So one thing I like to think about is if you have a mailbox that sits at the edge of the curb to your house and it's out there and people could open the box and get it, it's very common in the U.S. to have something like that. What's stopping somebody from picking up your bank statement and opening it? Not much. That's not very secure. We just, I think, live sometimes with this false sense of security when things are physical. But if you had that same statement delivered to you, and it's actually not delivered to you, you generally will get an email that says your statement is available. Please log into our secure website so you can download it. Now, of course, when you download it, then it's on your computer. And at that point, if your computer is stolen, someone could access it. But if you don't ever download it and you keep it on the bank website, then it is securely stored on their servers and you don't have to worry about that. They have to worry about keeping your documents safe and your data safe. I understand that people are concerned with keeping their items digitally because there have been some high profile data breaches in recent years that have made people wary of storing their sensitive information online. But digital systems are continually improving, security measures are in place, and they are meant to protect our personal data. So it's generally much safer to have things online, password protected with two-factor authentication and stored securely on an encrypted site is generally much safer than your bank statement coming in your mail in physical form, okay? And that's also going to help with identity theft. Now, I actually had this recently. I got notified that somebody was applying for a credit card in my name and they wanted to confirm it was me. And it wasn't because I have such a digital record and I have these things turned on to give me notifications. I was able to stop that before someone was able to access my information. I also was able to go in and turn off any credit things that would be run. So my credit now, if I want to apply for a credit card or a loan or anything like that, I actually have to go turn it back on and unfreeze it and allow it to be uh, accessed. And so now that is another barrier for identity theft that I don't have to worry about it. And it is really nice. So I understand that people are hesitant, but I know in my life it has been uh, much easier actually with these items than without them. All right. So one other reason why people might be hesitant is because they have a nostalgia for physical documents. Now, there are going to be some documents that have sentimental value. These are going to be handwritten letters, old photographs. I'm not saying that we have to get rid of all of our paper. The whole point of going paperless is not to completely get rid of paper. I still use paper in our home, and I often find it helpful for making lists, brainstorming, organizing my thoughts, making grocery lists, making little things here and there. I actually do writing that down. Might be an age thing. I don't know, but I find it much easier to write than to type on my phone. Typing on my computer is much easier for me. But the whole idea of going paperless is actually to use paper less. So instead of printing something out or getting a statement mailed to you, use an online ver version and save the digital PDF if you need it. That way you have it if you need it, but you don't have to deal with the paper clutter that comes into the stuff that we need to manage on a regular basis. And we're going to talk about how we file these things and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not talking about those things that have the large sentimental values. These things you can keep. But again, you might also want to digitize them and keep them because that way, if something did happen to the physical thing, you would still have it. And also, I know people do the tactile pleasure sometimes of handling physical documents. Just like I talked about how I like handwriting out notes and things like that. 
some people might miss being able to flip through things, right? Maybe you like physical books instead of reading digital books, or you like knowing you have these papers. There are certain papers that you should and can keep, but you don't have to keep them all. So again, this isn't an all or nothing argument. It is more of an argument for let's keep the paper we need to keep and let's go of the paper that really isn't serving us other than just it's always been done that way so we can rethink it and let go of that overwhelming part in our life. We're just improving on the things we have. All right, next I want to talk about overcoming the fear of digitizing your record because this is another area where I know it can get overwhelming and people can have a lot of anxiety around this and they're reluctant to digitize their records. We Again, none of this has to happen all at once. Just like with decluttering our homes, we have all of this paper and we can deal with one little bit at a time, right? Just like with our home, I want us to start with one little bit at a time. I recommend 15-minute declutter sessions. Let's bring that into our paper as well. So start with one area or one folder. Please know that you do not have to do all of it at once. So hopefully that has put your mind at ease a bit and you're on board with going digital for your papers. So we are gonna talk about setting up your digital filing system next, and that is gonna include a step-by-step guide for digitizing your files. We are going to talk about what equipment and software you might actually need for it, and we're gonna talk about naming conventions and how to actually structure your folders and the names so that you can find the things you want when you need them. But before we dive into that, let's take one more quick break to hear from our sponsors. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. 
together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. All right, welcome back. So let's talk about how we actually can set up our digital filing system. One of my favorite places to start is actually with gathering your mail for a week or two, putting it in one place, and then looking to see, can I either one, unsubscribe from any of this? And I like to use catalogchoice.org to get rid of catalogs and things like that that are coming in. Can I automate these things? like, Or can I get the electronic version of them? So generally, bills and bank statements are the first place to start with automating these and getting the electronic notifications, sorry, for your mail that comes in. Because honestly, today, pretty much all statements from banks, credit card companies, utilities, insurance companies, all of it can be found online through the company's website. So again, like I said earlier, they're not actually sending you that document usually because email's not the most secure but they will send you a notice that says, hey, you have a new statement. Your statement is now ready. Please log in to access it. And so if you're getting paper statements, please, this is the first place I recommend you start because you can actually get rid of a lot of the paper that comes into your home just by electing to receive these electronic statements. You want some more good news? For the most part, you don't actually even have to download or store these documents on your computer because you can always sign in and find what you need online. So the only reason I generally would recommend people downloading their statements is if you need them for loan processing, right? You might at some point be applying to buy a house or something like that, and they might say, we need the last 24 months of your bank statements. Okay, great. That's when you can then go and request 24 months of statements from your bank. And your bank, actually, I've never run across a time where the bank didn't have access to those statements, right? So they may not have them immediately downloadable. I've had this come across where I've said like, okay, I need this statement. And they say, great, we will have it for you in 24 hours and we will email you when it's ready. And then you log back into their website and you can download it. So I've had that happen. They don't necessarily have two years worth, but I was able to request up to two years worth, which is generally what you are getting when you are applying for loans and things like that. So you don't actually even have to keep them. You just know they're there. You can check them make sure everything's correct on them. I do still recommend that you log in and check them every month just to stop any issues before they become big headaches. But again, you don't have to do all of that, right? So this is taking some of that physical paper and just switching it to the electronic version. The next thing that you could do is we can, we're going to talk about scanning things, but we can keep that simple. Again, We don't have to scan every single piece of paper you have. We're going to go ahead and declutter the paper we don't need and then only keep the things that are really necessary. All right. And then this is another area where you could pile it all together and then just chip away at it little bit by little bit. You definitely don't have to do it all at once, but it is nice to have it in one place. And I really do recommend having an inbox in your house so that all paper can go in one spot. It is so much easier to go through your paper at one time instead of finding little bits and pieces around your house. And if you are at a point where you're like, I don't have time to deal with all those little bits and pieces of paper, use your five-minute tidy up that I talk about as one of the things I do every single day. And as you see the paper, take them and put them in your inbox. That way you're not having to stop, pause, look at the paper, make a decision. There's lots of like decisions that go into all of these papers when we're looking at them, okay? 
So we're going to keep that part simple. We're going to get to that in a minute when we set up our system for how we're dealing with our paper. But just remember, we're going to start small. Start with your bills and your bank statements if you're not getting electronic statements. Go to catalogchoice.org and unsubscribe from any catalogs that you're getting. I highly recommend doing this, even if you like getting the catalog, because getting the catalogs really is just one giant ad. And you will then start to feel like, hey, I need something when it just makes you want more stuff, even though you didn't have an idea that you even wanted that stuff before you opened the catalog. All right. So that's my little soapbox moment of I would recommend actually unsubscribing from all catalogs and then just looking for things when you actually need them. And then understanding you don't even need to download these statements anymore. And it does make it easier, right? So I think when people look at digitizing, they get fearful because they think they have to do everything at once. And we're going to start small. Also, understand that when you first start out on these things, it's not super intuitive. It might not be second nature to you. It might take a little bit. That learning curve is totally normal. This is a new life skill, maybe, if you haven't done digital file management. It's a very valuable skill, though. It's going to save you lots and lots of time in the long run. So as we do this and we do it a few times, it will get easier and easier every time, okay? I promise. So hopefully that has put your mind at ease a bit and you're on board with going digital for your papers. So we are gonna talk about setting up your digital filing system next, and that is gonna include a step-by-step guide for digitizing your files. We are going to talk about what equipment and software you might actually need for it, and we're gonna talk about naming conventions and how to actually structure your folders and the names so that you can find the things you want when you need them. All right. So step number one, I want you to start by collecting all of your physical documents in one place. So it is a good idea to sort and categorize them before you move forward. So you really have three decisions to make for each piece of paper. And I want you to make this decision as quickly as possible. You can always change your mind down the road if it ends up in uh, pile one or three. So let's get to what those piles actually are. Pile one is to keep the actual piece of paper and file it away. Now, these are going to be your most important papers, basically things that are irreplaceable are the things that you will keep. And that is pretty much it. These are going to be birth certificates, marriage certificates, divorce documentation, home buying documents, insurance documents, things that you can't get online and that if you lost them, it would be very difficult to get a copy of them. And it might cause you problems, right, if you lost them. So you have to have a copy of this thing. This is going to be tax documents. But again, a lot of tax documents now are online. Like my tax record, the things that I have sent, I file electronically. So I just keep a digital record of those. But I do have a few that are from up to seven years old that were physical at the time. So I still have the physical um, aspects of those. And a lot of just the extra documentation that goes along with the taxes. So it might be the W-2 forms or the 1099s, things like that, the documents that you receive from employers and interest documents and things like that. Okay, enough of that fun stuff. All right, so those are the things you might want to actually keep a full piece of paper for and then file it away. The second group are things that you can toss because you don't need it. And when I say toss, of course, shred papers with sensitive information on them or use a security stamp to cover your sensitive information. I do this because we don't actually have a scanner 
I love it. It's wonderful. I will link to the one we use in the show notes if you would like to check it out for yourself. And then recycle any and all that you can, right? We want to be, again, we started this with being good stewards of the environment. We want to continue that on. So please recycle any and all paper that you can. But understand you can't recycle the plastic film that comes on envelopes and things like that. Just look at your papers before you recycle them. But please do put them in there if you can. And then third pile is going to be papers that you can scan and put into your digital filing system. We're going to talk about how to manage that digital filing system in a minute. But then once those have been digitized, once they've been scanned, you can then either shred them, recycle them, or if you really want to keep the original. So you might also want to be scanning any of the papers that you actually need to keep in case something happens to the physical one so that you would have access to it. You'd at least have a copy, which would make it easier to get the original again. So that is the first part. You're going to gather your documents and make a decision on what to do with each piece of paper. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to choose your equipment. Now, I mentioned scanning. How do we do this? What are we using? A lot of people have those all-in-one printer scanners. Those are very slow, though. So if you only need to scan a few documents, that's going to be fine. You can set that up on your computer, scan it, and you're done. If you have a lot of documents, you may want to get a, an actual scanner that's a little bit faster. I'll link to one in the show notes if that is an option that you're looking at. Or you also can scan using your phone. If you have an iPhone, you can use the Notes app. And if you have an Android, you can just use Google Drive to scan your documents. And that makes it much easier as well. So you don't have to download an individualized app for scanning. You likely already have it built in with your phone. Okay, great. So let's talk a little bit, though, about scanning, because you want to have a well-lit, clutter-free space when you are scanning things to make sure it's easy for you to do this process quickly. So if you are using your phone, make sure you set up in a place with, that is well-lit, that's not going to have a lot of shadows on the paper when you hold your phone over the document. So you may have to choose a certain day or time to do this. It might not be something that you're doing at night while you're watching TV. You might actually have to take a little bit of time when there is sunlight coming into your home and actually scan these documents. So make sure that you do have an area because, again, this is now the document you're keeping. So you want to make sure that it is as clear as possible. All right. So then you're going to scan your documents. You're going to make your decision about what to do with them. If you are keeping the physical paper, I recommend having a file box or a filing cabinet to keep these things. We literally just have a small file box. I believe I have done an Instagram reel about it. I will look to link it in the show notes to show you which box and file system we use. But it's really not that many papers. And I'm constantly looking through there and making sure that I'm not keeping things that we don't need to keep. So generally once a year, I will actually go through those files and make sure like, okay, 2023 is done. I don't need any of those. I reconcile them to the bank statements and make sure everything is, we've paid for the right amount of stuff. I know that sounds like a lot. You don't have to do all of that. I am an accounting and finance major, so I geek out on making sure things like add up to the penny. So trust me, you do not have to be that crazy about it. But people generally get curious, and so that's how we do it in our house. Again, not that difficult. I don't actually even keep that many papers, so that part is pretty simple. And then I want to talk about organizing our digital files. And then we're going to talk about 
how to actually name these things so we can find them. Now, I do want us to remember why we need to be so conscientious, though, because the point is I want to make sure we're not just adding to our plate. I want to make sure we are getting rid of some things. So it's paperless because it's less paper. It's not digitizing every single thing we've ever received and will ever need and all of that kind of stuff. It's not keeping all the things and getting all the electronic statements. It's getting rid of the things we don't actually need so that life can be easier. Because I've seen this stat going around that says the average person in 1999 received more information daily than the average person from 1900 received in their entire lifetime. Okay, think about that. Every single day, someone in 1999 would get more information than somebody in 1900 got in their entire lifetime. And honestly, that stat has probably just gotten way worse. Think about how much more information you have coming at you on a daily basis now than you did in 1999. Cell phones were barely a thing in 1999. Now we have smartphones that never leave our sides. So it's no wonder we're so overwhelmed with all this paper and digital clutter and all of this stuff coming at us. We work from home. We're always on. All of that stuff really adds up. And so the more we can get off of our plates, the better. Okay, I know that's a lot, but I just want us to remember this as we are going through this process because it's not, again, about keeping everything. It's about giving ourselves space. All right. So now that you have successfully digitized some of your documents, I want to make sure that they are well organized and easily accessible. So in this next segment, we're going to dive into best practices for organizing your digital files. I want us to really emphasize consistent naming conventions. I know that sounded like a mouthful. And I'm going to offer you recommendations for categorizing and tagging your documents. So let's start quick with folders. So I want you to think about how you actually put these digital files in a virtual filing cabinet. It's kind of how I want you to think about it. And it can be very simple, very streamlined. So here's how it would work when you are organizing your digital files. You're going to go ahead and scan something. You're going to take that scan and you're going to put it in a folder called Inbox. Then you can apply your naming convention and then you can file it away. Does that make sense? And then the files, we want to make sure we're not going too deep. So I actually keep my files on my computer. I have a Mac. We use iCloud. And so all of it is actually backed up in my documents folder. So I have one single folder called File Cabinet. And then that is where I store all of our files. Like I said, it's a virtual file cabinet. It really acts as a replacement for a physical file cabinet. So inside this virtual file cabinet, you're going to keep your subfolders. So this could be things like personal, business, school, medical, health. You are going to have to decide what your major categories are. And then under those categories, you'll have subfolders for other things. So personally, for me, I'm going to have a business file, and then in there, I'm going to have podcast episodes, and then each podcast episode is going to have its own file to keep all of the documentation that goes for that podcast episode. There's going to be video files, reels, any guest information, their photos, things like that is all going to be within the file for that episode that is nested under the podcast. So we're only looking at maybe two files deep. Same with, let's look at personal. So if I were downloading statements, which again, I've told you I don't do, but let's say we were, I would then have personal bank statements, 
and then it would be whatever the bank was and then all the statements that go in there. That is it, right? So it's not actually that difficult. It's just keeping things in a way that makes sense to you. Now, this might take a little trial and error. You might have to like think about what are my major categories. As you see all the paperwork, that's going to help you figure out which files work best for you. You might do your medical and your health insurance in one file, but you might separate those out by the people in your life. So you really have to decide what works best for you. I don't want you to spend a ton of time having to file things away and get this perfect, but if you're doing it consistently, it's going to start to get much easier as you go. So just start somewhere, start with some filing, and you can tweak it as you go. None of this has to stay. It's None of it is permanent. It's all adjustable. But the thing that is really important, way more important than folder structure, is how you name your files. Now, this is really the nuts and bolts that makes all of it stick together because this is how you're going to be able to find the things you need when you need it. So having consistent and descriptive file names is like labeling the files in your digital drawers. So let's look at how we do it. You want to have clear descriptions. This means that the name would tell you at a glance what the file is, right? The point is not having to open each document and see what it is. You want to be able to look just based on the name what it is. For example, if we were doing bank statements, maybe it would be Schwab checking is much more informative than just checking, especially if you have more than one checking account. But that's not enough, right? We can't just say Schwab checking because you're going to have a bank statement for every single month. This is where you have to incorporate dates into your file names. It makes it much easier to sort things to find what you need. So it's really useful for documents with multiple versions like bank statements or utility bills or things like that if you want to keep these statements. So I always like to start with the year and then the month and then the day if you need it. So for that checking statement, it would be 2023 dash 11 dash swab dash checking. Now, I don't like to have spaces in my names because it keeps it cleaner. And I will list this out in the show notes so you can see what it actually would look like. Then when I put things in alphabetical order or chronological order, it will show you them in the correct order because it will start with 2023. So all of the 2023s would come up together. And then instead of naming it dash, let's go for January. So instead of naming it 2023-1, I'm going to name it 2023-01. Because again, that's going to keep those in order. So instead of it being 1-11-12, right, it would be 0-1-0-2-0-3 in the order you actually want them when they come up. So you sometimes we just have to think a little bit like a computer. Computers are very analytical. They're very straight to the point. So we just need to make sure that we are speaking sometimes in computerish terms <laughs> and putting them in the right order. All we have to do is put a zero in front of those single digits and you are all set. So it's not that difficult for naming. It's really just important that we are consistent with it because over time, that is what's going to help how you have named things, how you can find things, and it'll make it easier when you sort them in the right, in the order you want to find them in. And so if this is difficult, I highly recommend, we're going to use a little paper here, just on a sticky note or something, write the convention, just write the naming formula. I know convention is a like fancy word, but just write the formula. So it's year-month-day-name-of-file. That's all you have to write. And then every time you go to name something, 
you will be able to see that and remember it. And after a while, it will become second nature. And so it'll just be much easier for you to then continue naming things as you go. All right. I know that is a lot and it is a lot when you are having to deal with everything at once. But remember, little by little, you will get through it. You don't have to do it all at once. And the point is not to be completely without paper. It is just to be with less paper. Go digital where you can, help the environment, help with your mental uh, clutter and all of that paper clutter that's in your home, the physical and the mental clutter, and let go of that paper that is just unavoidable, constantly clogging up our homes. And there's always so much going on there. So once we can get through some of that, it makes it much, much easier to then deal with organizing those digital files on the back end. And it really isn't that hard. Just start with being more consistent on how you name things and where you put them, and you will see a difference in no time. All right, so those are the phases of dealing with your digital files and how to organize them. So I know this process is a lot and it, you are probably going to have a lot of questions. So please don't hesitate to reach out. You can connect with me on Instagram. I am at wannabeclutterfree on the platform. You can comment on this post or you can send me a DM. You can tag me in your stories and just let me know what you thought of this episode and how I can help you. I also do have a paper clutter rescue guide that is a great resource that I will link to in the show notes as well. And that just about wraps it up for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this three-part digital clutter series. I really enjoyed being able to go deeper and dive deeper into these different topics and let me know what you thought about it. And if you have any other areas you want me to come back and dive deep into again, I would really enjoy knowing so that I can start planning out my Q1 podcast because honestly, I am all set for the rest of this year. I'm so excited for the episodes that we will be bringing you. It's going to be a lot of fun. And in fact, next week, I am going to be meeting with Jenny Layton. She is an organizing expert and mindset coach, and she's also a fellow podcaster. So we had a lot of fun chatting about how to get our homes in order, me from a decluttering perspective and her from an organizing perspective. And it was just a really great conversation. I know you will not want to miss it next week. So make sure you tune in. That is going to be episode 179. And don't forget, if someone who could benefit from getting their digital clutter in order or their physical clutter in order, be a good friend and share this episode with them so that they can do that. So that 2024 is one of their best years yet. Because remember, Clutter is one of the biggest issues we women face, and I want to do everything I can to help you live your best life. So make sure you're sharing this and get your friends on board and form accountability groups. It's so powerful when we do this together. So make sure you're doing that. Get people on your team, do this together, and it really will make it so much more fun and so much easier to reach your goals. All right, until next time, I want you to take care. I want you to think clutter-free. And remember, I believe in you. I know you can do this. And I know that you can do anything you set your mind to. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wanna Be Clutter-Free. I will see you next week. Cheers.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.